0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome to Money for Lunch. I'm so excited and grateful that you're here. I am uh, always, again, uh, just delighted that uh, you guys continue to support us. Here on Money for Lunch, and uh, some of you guys make the effort and share the show, and I appreciate that immensely. Real quick, I wanted to say a big thank you to Tamara. Tamara went to Dominating Your Mind, dominatingyourmind.com, and got herself my latest book for free. Dominating Your Mind is available on Amazon for 20 bucks plus shipping and handling, or you can go to dominatingyourmind.com and pick up the book for free, just pay the shipping and handling. So if you want to read a good book, if you want to increase your confidence, if you want to destroy, if you want to crush your fears, destroy your doubts so you can be unstoppable, check out dominatingyourmind.com. It's the place to go uh all right we're going to jump into the uh quote of the day the quote of the day success isn't measured by money or power or social rank success is measured by your discipline and inner peace mike ditka i love this quote because you don't think much you don't think of mike ditka when you're thinking about inner peace, but definitely a guy that was well known for his discipline, right? Success isn't measured by money or power or social rank. Success is measured by your discipline and your inner peace. And uh, uh, just great quote there by Mike Ditka. Alright, let's get this party started. Uh, my guest today, Vincent Nay. Vincent Nay is the President and CEO of Expansion Capital Group, a small business lending firm specializing in innovation, innovative financial services for small business communities. Over the past 25 years, Vincent has been a leader in alternative financial services for both the consumer and commercial sectors. Vincent Nay, welcome to Money for Lunch.
1: Thank you, Bert. Nice to be here.
0: Uh, yeah, it's good to have you here. And uh, um, where, are you, where, where are you based out of?
1: We are based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota.
0: Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Excellent. All right. So um, give, give us a little bit of background about yourself. How, uh, how long have you been in the financial world?
1: So I began my career in the uh, world of accounting, public accounting, with Pete, Mark, and Mitchell, and subsequently with Ernst & Winnie. I have uh, practiced CPA work in both the audit and the uh, tax side. Subsequently, navigated and migrated through uh, some corporate roles as chief financial officer, chief operating officer, and ultimately uh, a bit more of an entrepreneurial path into business and small business development, and then subsequently into the world of alternative finance uh, about 2002. Um, Products that were innovative products, uh, deliveries that were novel at the time, that then uh, ultimately transitioned into predominantly... uh, The Internet is the primary vehicle for both communication and uh, marketing, as well as the interaction with most of our small business uh, funded companies today.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about this. Um, How do you define business financing today?
1: That's a great question. Um, Business financing is a term that gets bantered around both in the press and, and by our lawmakers. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's really fundamental. Um, business financing, you know, is the procurement of uh, cash, monies, and resources to, uh, to grow, to run, and to manage your business. Um, oftentimes, you hear the term financing um, used to include capital, debt, equity, leases, um, advances, etc. I think you can probably segregated a little bit more and, and suggest that maybe financing is in fact, um, monies that are likely expected to, uh, to be returned to the original provider with some enhancement for them taking the risk and finance on the other uh, hand might be a, a larger aspect of the world of, of capital raises, equity, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think uh, I think it's interesting what you said there. You know, uh, there's just a lot of ways to, I guess, describe uh, business financing. Um, what are some ways that businesses can actually access financing? Talk about some of these.
1: You know, uh, Bert, to, to capitalize on your point there, you know, when you're a small business operator, when you're an entrepreneur, those terms are not near as meaningful to you as the ability to make payroll. Those terms <laughs> are not near, as, they're not near as meaningful to you as your ability to buy the supplies that you need or the services that you need to, you know, to continue your enterprise. So oftentimes I find that the media gets caught up in the semantics of, you know, different terminologies for products and product mix, when the reality of it is as a small business operator, you're looking for cash, okay? You're looking for denominations to uh, – to procure and pay for your help. Um, now maybe more to, to your, your question. Uh, you know, you've seen a, a proliferation of product mixes that probably have have done a a better job than we've seen in this country in history of making resources available to small businesses. And they've stratted them into traditional loans. They've stratted them into SBA loans, term loans. You've now got business lines of credit. You've got still and probably a bit on the rebound business credit cards. You've got equipment financing. There is invoice financing, also known and often referred to as factoring. You've got merchant cash advances, which is a a little bit of a forward look on a factoring product, whereas factoring is a little bit more of a backwards look. If you go maybe reverse order to the contemplation of starting an enterprise, you know, you've got angel investors out there. You've got friends and family, which has kind of become a, a bit of a, a termed uh, sector, if you will. Um, some folks talk of a golden Rolodex, meaning that they've got everything from the rich uncle to the rich neighbor to the rich former, you know, maybe employer um, or what have you that can possibly assist, you know, with the with the next great idea. Some folks turn to crowdfunding some folks have uh, leveraged their 401k's there's even still you know uh, the ability to procure grants both at state, county and uh, federal levels oftentimes competition puts someone in business whether it is someone that they need as a resource to accomplish their objective or whether it's something that they find as a niche inside their own umbrella that they don't feel like they can capitalize on so there's a smorgasbord of available niches probably a small business owner trying to contemplate which one and what might best be uh, utilized by him is where a company like Expansion Capital Group comes into play. And that is to try and embrace the need, get an understanding of the business, get an understanding of the business's abilities from a financial perspective and align them with products that, uh, that are best suited for them.
0: Sure. Absolutely. You know, interestingly enough, you didn't mention credit cards, which I thought would be somewhere on the top of the list there. Why not credit cards?
1: I touched on them briefly. I referred to them as business credit cards simply because –
0: Oh,
1: okay. It's okay. Um, because credit cards in their, in their more pure sense, as you and I know, that get carried in the wallets of men and women all over the country um, – you know, in in the early 2000s, in and even maybe prior to that, credit cards were a very viable tool for an entrepreneur seeking funding to, you know, pull down, if you will, load up on uh, multiple cards and thereby pull together a a, a bit of capital to start um, their enterprise with. A couple of things transpired and and kind of intersected um, a bit in the perfect storm. Credit card companies and the financial world at large got much more capable in the analytics and the procurement of data. And the speed with which that was able to be analyzed got much, much faster as things became readily available online and computer speeds you know, went you know, 100-fold faster than what uh, what had been customary maybe even five years earlier. What what that did was that allowed a credit card company to monitor what you were doing with your card. And as you began to run up balances on a card and they could in turn notice you were running up balances on other cards, they had a tendency to reduce or, or restrict your, your credit draw. Mm. That kind of intersected with the 08, 09 of capital markets meltdown that we experienced in the U.S. that many would argue went all the way back to 2006. And that stunted and shuttered a tremendous amount of credit card credit available, regardless of any of the analytics that I just spoke about. Just the sheer banking meltdown caused many um, card facilities to either reduce, restrict, or otherwise uh, go by the wayside. And then coming out of that, you now had analytics in full bloom, and you had much greater restriction on credit um, as the country kind of dug itself out of a little bit of a banking and mortgage hole, and it never quite gained the traction that it that it once had for those reasons, um, at least in our opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, and I like what you said there, um, the whole thing about the credit card companies start monitoring your debt and yeah uh all of a sudden that uh that can have a massive impact you know and, and you mentioned uh you mentioned you know the stuff you know oh seven oh eight oh nine. um talk about one of the the biggest impacts that uh that affected uh business financing um i i i think it's i think it's the uh, they, what do they call it, the, the Dodd-Frank Act? Uh, I, I think not only did it impact uh, business financing, I think it also impacted uh, consumer financing when it came to homes and things like that. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Absolutely. So the, uh, the Dodd-Frank, which is a, a commingling of two lawmaker surnames, uh, Barney Frank and Chris Dodd, that as U.S. lawmakers – passed or, or sponsored and had a bill passed that ultimately created the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The the underlying ambition um, of that bill was to offer consumers greater protection from what were perceived to be abusive practices by the facilitators of credit. Um In that definition alone, you can see a tremendous amount of sprawl as to exactly what that encompasses. And that agency has certainly done some some fantastic things on behalf of the consumers. And some consumers would argue it has also done some restrictive things with regards to consumers. And we won't get off on the fundamental tangents of whether or not You want to buy into how much protection any consumer should have versus the ability to make their own decisions, whether it be in credit or other aspects of their life. But the reality of it is is we live in a country of laws. The CFPB was established, and they bestowed upon uh, the America credit markets, predominantly the consumer, and to a lesser extent, the small and medium business enterprise marketplace, new and different sensitivities than had been experienced before, and those created a number of ripples through the credit markets and how credit was or was not delivered or available for delivery to consumers. It it would be hard to see how you could make an argument that it didn't create greater restrictions on credit. Now, whether or not it created greater restrictions on credit, that was Needed to be protected from the consumer is a subjective argument, but it certainly created restrictions on credit.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm of the opinion, and I'd love to get your opinion as well. Is you know, it's it's the pil- it's the uh, pendulum. Pil- what is it? Pendulum. Pendulum swinging, sure. right? So at one point, uh, you know, at the at one end of that spectrum of that pendulum. Maybe there's no consumer protection, no restrictions, and now we're at the other side where there's so much that it's hindering growth. Your thoughts?
1: Largely I would agree with that. Um, it went from probably in its early days to the complete wild, wild west, uh, to a inability for the average consumer to obtain financing of any form Quickly or easily, and on the more cost-effective spectrum, it drove a lot of the pricier products completely out of the market. And right. those were the 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 perception is is well that was a good thing, okay? Because no one wants pricier products. Well, there's this little inherent issue in the world of financing called risk. And as a general rule, in an, in an open and competitive market, risk is aligned with return, or becomes aligned with return from market pressures. So when more expensive products were eliminated, aspects of credit, personal, business that had inherently more risk, whether it be perceived or real, were unable to, atta- to obtain financing simply because those products had been eliminated from the marketplace. Whenever you then went into the market to try and obtain credit and you couldn't get it, you had to turn to alternatives. Um, some of those alternatives percolated out of that need um, I would argue that the banks actually became even more restrictive on their credit practices, both through the, the credit card and banking meltdown as well as the, as the Dodd-Frank uh, bill being passed. And, once again, we're going to go down a whole other avenue of debate, and that is you know, who should and who shouldn't be entitled to make a decision for what risk and uh, what rate they want to subject themselves to in the world of, of credit.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's talk, let's talk about, uh, your company ECG, um, and how you guys come in and and work with, uh, with businesses. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um,
1: let's kind of start with the fundamentals. Um, polls not not polls that that we have taken but polls that have been taken by oh the likes of Forbes the likes of US News and World Report um, you know all show um, a bit of of disfavor or or lack of interest by the average small and medium-sized business to interact with the banking community for a variety of reasons uh, the timing with which the responses occur the amount of energy effort and documentation that is required for consideration. Um, the requirement, in most cases, to physically go into a facility and be subjected to a bit of a both interviewing and application-style process. And out of a lot of that came the alternative finance world that, just for a you know brief understanding, doesn't have FDIC insurance, okay? So the alternative finance world is putting monies at risk like a business owner. They just happen to be doing it in the credit world, in the finance world. But they're known largely as balance sheet lenders, meaning that they are taking equity, capital, potentially debt as well, and they are leveraging that into Loans, lendings, fundings out to the marketplace. We came into it, into existence, and we have been in existence for about seven or eight years at this point, um, as Expansion Capital Group, as an alternative funder, if you will, because we do use both contract lending vehicles and we also use merchant cash advance vehicles in some limited states. All accomplishing a similar objective, and that is to fund the need of uh, small and medium-sized businesses in America that find our products and our offerings to be the best fit for them and for their needs.
0: And, and so let me ask you this. Uh, is there a minimum threshold? If I, if somebody's listening right now and they're saying, hey, I'm, I need to get a hold of, of uh, Vincent and, you know, expansion capital group, Is there a minimum threshold that you like to to work with? Is there a maximum?
1: Our our parameters, um, painting with a broad brush, we don't make any advances or fundings below $5,001. And that's actually, in some cases, driven more by um, some regulatory embodiments that view anything below $5,000 as a consumer loan. And we're, we are not a consumer lender. We're a, a business lender. Consequently, that threshold is in place. Secondarily, um, we we have a internal cap of a half a million dollars. Our general kind of, I guess, sweet spot tends to range. Um, and it's driven more by need, more by what we see um, small and medium-sized businesses coming to us uh, from a need standpoint, but it's driven by them towards a general range of about fifteen thousand dollars um some higher, some lower, the additional you know caveats if you will we rarely we rarely are able to underwrite anything that hasn't been in business for at least six months, and you generally don't find um any of those businesses that are generating revenues of less than a hundred thousand dollars. Um, over that period of time that we have found to be sustainable.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So bottom line is, as you said, it's based on need. You're going to look at the company and say, Hey, you know, based on what you're on, on your needs, here's what we can do, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't have a, you know, necessarily a set minimum or whatever. I mean, not uh, let me rephrase that you don't have a specific client that you're looking for somebody that's, you know, uh, I I guess just to clarify, so, if if I come to you and I need some, you know, and I need some business financing, but let's say my business is 12 or 18 months old, assuming I have the other things that you look for, would I still be a good candidate or are you looking for a company that's a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit older?
1: Not necessarily. I would say that um, our average company reported time in business across our entire portfolio is probably 2.3 years, somewhere in that general range, um, which translates to, you know, half of them are closer to five. Obviously, we have some, I can recall one that had been in business for 18 years, longer than we had. Um, so it, not so much on the, on the time in business and not a hard, fast rule on revenues, not a hard, fast rules on profitability. Really fundamentally gets down to, you know, what's your level of credit ability and what have you demonstrated in your capacity to handle credit? And then also, you know, what do your, uh, your repayment thresholds look like? Um, on the one hand, oftentimes small businesses that are reaching out for funding have found themselves at a pinch point or at a growth inflection point of some kind. And oftentimes we have to work with them to both understand and help them understand, you know, what can you actually afford and what can you afford to pay back and what does that term maybe look like so that everybody comes out and, uh, you know, in a win-win situation.
0: Yeah, I like that. Let, let, let's talk about this real quick. Um, some people may call it, uh, you know, best practices. If I'm a, a buyer, if I'm a business, um, what what should I be looking for from a lender? What should I maybe see as a red flag? Uh, You know, talk about that. As a a possible uh, uh, customer of a business loan, what are some of the things that I should be looking for?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, you want to, you know, take a look and and see how the – enterprise you're contemplating borrowing or, or receiving funding from you know looks like um, two others and those ratings and rankings are generally out there I don't I don't believe that're the Holy grail on the one hand but on the other hand I, I believe that they're generally meaningful uh, read the reviews um, you know get on the phone with two or three of them and talk to them see how you feel you know you're gonna you're being treated that's likely how you're you know, going to continue to be treated in that relationship. What else would I be looking at and looking for? Um probably you know, are they are they trying to push more financing on me or more products than I feel the need for as opposed to, you know, what my immediate needs are. I think that is oftentimes a sign of, you know, kind of a fee inspired ambition to uh maybe collect um more fees by pushing out more or, or larger products than oftentimes is, is needed by the party seeking funding. Um, you know, other aspects, heavy-handed, hardcore, you know, sales tactics I, I think might be a bit off-putting for me. Um, I don't think I, on its surface, have a problem with dealing with a broker, but I kind of want them to know what the broker's role is, what's the broker going to be compensated for. And I'm not a fan of Brokers shopping deals aggressively to multiple parties. A couple, three parties, I understand, because there's different product mixes out there. Some of which are better suited for one deal than the other. When you get much beyond that, oftentimes I think it leads to conflicts of what gets funded and how it gets funded. So those are, I don't know, kind of a quick and you know one-handed aspect of what I would concern myself with. And probably I'd also want to know the funding entity. You know. Where are they at? Where are the funds coming from? What kind of licensing or, you know, what kind of contract uh, arrangement are we going to uh, to be entering into?
0: Sure. You know, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because at least here in, in, in our market, Phoenix, I have been contacted, you know, it's these robocalls where they say, hey, you know, we'll, you know, we're, we'll finance your business, right? And out of curiosity, I called them and and it was so difficult to get a straight answer from them. Uh, you know, like, what company is this? And you know, who do you guys represent? And it was just like pulling teeth. And so obviously these guys are brokers, and and they're you know, they want you to fill out this information so they can shop you around and possibly maybe get you some money, but all, all I could think of is you know your information is out there and who knows who's going to do what with it
1: exactly and exactly what i'm what i'm speaking to um there is certainly as is unfortunately the case in many uh aspects of the business world in america as you have folks that take advantage of situations and take advantage of the maybe unknowing or unexperienced and uh we try to do everything in our power, both from a best management, best practices, from our trade association, to essentially, you know, try to weed out the the bad actors and try to uh keep the alternative lending space as, as white hat as possible and to a anyone out there in the small business world that you know is considering borrowing or trying to receive funding um, I would encourage you to, to, you know, go online and, and look for the actual funder. Um, nothing wrong with reputable brokers, uh, just probably a little bit more work uh, to be done on the, uh, on the borrower's part vetting through that as opposed to going to uh, directly to a funder.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh you know what, I uh, Vincent, we're out of time, and, and I want to say thank you so much for stopping by and talking about alternative funding sources. And uh, if somebody wants to find out more about your company, what's the best website?
1: Absolutely. Look us up at expansioncapitalgroup.com. That's all one word without any punctuation, just like it sounds, expansioncapitalgroup.com. Bert, thank you so much for hosting myself and us, and uh, we'll look forward to maybe being on your show again one day.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Good stuff there from Vincent Nay regarding alternative financial uh, financing for your business. Um, let's share this episode with everyone you know. Look, there's uh, there's businesses out there that absolutely need help. And maybe Vincent can help them. Maybe the team at Expansion Capital Group is the answer for them. So let's share this show with everybody else. One of the things that I love, that Vincent talked about is payroll. Forget the fancy terms, forget this or forget that. It's payroll. You gotta make payroll. You gotta keep your, your employees happy. Your, your their, what do you call it? Payroll impacts the entire company, right? Um, anyway, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by. Let's share this episode with everyone we know. As always, my friends, remember you were created to succeed.
1: Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website
0: at moneyforlunch.com.